Welcome to Herrick Does That, a podcast on current legal topics, relevant industry and legal trends, and significant developments in the law, brought to you by the attorneys of Herrick Feinstein. I'm Erwin Kishner, Herrick's executive chairman, and I want to thank you for joining us. Hello, this is Mitch Corby, I'm chair of uh, Herrick Feinstein Zoning and Land Use Practice. We've got a wonderful, robust zoning team at my firm, and uh, we do work across the board, uh, helping clients navigate the zoning resolution and understand how development works you know, in the city. But we're here today because of an exciting new development for Herrick and for our group and for the larger real estate practice at Herrick, and that is um, Brett Gottlieb. Um, Brett is joining Herrick or has joined Herrick as special counsel. And he has a terrific and, and very important niche practice that we'd like to talk about. So let's just uh, jump right in. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Our entire team is. And so our enthusiasm is going to spill over into this podcast. So let me just begin by first you know, welcoming you once again, Brett, and, and once again saying how thrilled we are that you're joining us. And maybe what you can start off with is telling us a little bit about your practice area, which I won't do. I'll let you just jump right into it. Thank you so much, Mitch, for the introduction. And it's a pleasure to uh, be joining Herrick Feinstein and uh, all the fine practitioners um, that I'm going to be working with. With respect to your question, I work predominantly in the area of 421A Affordable New York and its predecessor program, which was more simply known as 421A. I also um, have a substantial practice in the area of the Industrial Commercial Abatement Program, also known as ICAP. And I assist my clients with the FRESH program. Uh, There are two FRESH programs, one of which is a zoning bonus and the other is a tax incentive program. And I have applied on behalf of clients for the tax portion of the program. Each of these programs are unique in their offerings. They offer substantial tax savings for the applicants, and they all revolve around new construction or renovation of existing buildings in the case of ICAP. Uh, And they offer developers um, really viability. These programs did cease to exist or did not exist for that matter. Many of the projects which you see in New York today would not be viable. Tax incentives are a crucial part of the economy and they help create jobs. And in the case of the ICAP program, they actually help create construction jobs for minority women business-owned entrepreneurs. Thanks, Brett. And this is what's so important about what, what you do. It's, it's integral to major aspects of development in the city, rental housing. And rental housing just doesn't work without this 421A program, or it's very difficult to make it happen. And certainly the, the affordable housing sphere d- doesn't work without this program. And then as you point out, the, the uh, I, ICAP program p- provides a terrific boost and can often you know, make projects economically viable that might, might not otherwise be. So um, I know that our, our clients are already uh, you know, jumping in with you and, and having conversations. And of course, you've also brought folks to our firm from your prior practice. So just jumping off on this a little bit, you're in demand because there aren't that many people that do this kind of work. Uh, this is a big city. We've got, uh, we're twice the size of Los Angeles, but there just aren't that many people that practice in your area or for that matter in the, in the larger zoning area. You know, we began, I don't know whether courting you is the right word. We began talking with you a while back and I'm curious what, uh, what made you decide to come to Herrick? Well, a couple of things. First off, uh, one of your partners uh, was somebody that I had a long-term relationship with going back to my college days. That was uh, Michael Smith. 
Mike and I were reintroduced by a current client of mine and of his. You know, we were both assisting this client on different types of representations. In my case, it was 421A. Mike had introduced me actually to you and and uh, Brendan Schmidt from your team as well. And I got to really feel very comfortable over a good period of time about the type of practice which you have, the type of clients which you uh, generally service. And I started to get a good feel for what I thought your needs were versus what my current practice has to offer. And I saw a lot of synergies between uh, what the 420 program could offer to a zoning practice and to a larger real estate group, such as what Herrick has right now. Um, in particular, the 420 program has a lot of details such that really overlap, such as um, the affordable housing component itself, which is a 30% requirement to offer um, affordable housing to people that are at 130% of the area median income or lower. And also there's, in, in the ICAP program, for example, we have issues regarding construction compliance, there's construction management agreements, there's real estate finance concerns. Uh, I have seen questions come up regarding tax credit and bonding, tax projections, um, you name it. There's intersection all over the place. In the case of, I can give you a short story about ICAP. I have one particular developer who is developing a a retail store for a uh, national chain, and he bought a development site out in Brooklyn, only to find out actually that his zoning council uh, made a mistake and the site was actually not zoned for retail use. And this project ended up having to be abandoned and the developer took a 50% haircut on his purchase price when he had to go resell it. Um, so it, I do, I'm very much aware of the of the importance of a proper zoning analysis that goes into play in any development project. And I felt like your particular practice would really um, bolster what I do uh, and be able to offer uh, those synergies. Also, in the world of 421A, I know you've brought me on with a, one of your clients in particular who's got a project in uh, Gowanus. And I have another one of my clients who's working on a project in the Gowanus area. And as we know, that uh, there's a major rezoning effort in that particular area. And there's a lot of concerns right now with regards to 421A and its potential uh, sunset date of June 15th of 2022. And our clients are worried about whether or not they can get grandfathered in under the existing program. And the real hiccup here is whether or not an area which is zoned for commercial only will be zoned for residential use prior to a viable time period to be able to start construction pursuant to the rules of the 420 program. Um, so you and I have been discussing those types of issues with, uh, with our clients, and it's an issue which has caused tremendous amount of anxiety. But I really feel that having your expertise alongside of me uh, makes us a really strong partnership going forward. And I think that we're going to be able to offer our clients uh, a lot of uniqueness Many of the other practitioners in my area, and there's not too many to be fair, they work in what are called tax certiorari firms or tax protest firms. It's actually what my background was in. I came from a boutique firm where we uh, the primary focus wasn't tax certiorari, but we did not have access to zoning council, um, transactional council, uh, condominium. Uh, I had no access to any of this. And these are all issues which come up routinely, and it's very, very exciting for me to be able to utilize the vast resources that Herrick Feinstein has to offer and really be able to lean on it for the betterment of my clients.
Thanks, Brett. That's also how we feel, that there are wonderful connections and, and synergies. Um, a, a lot of what you just spoke about, particularly the, uh, the question of vesting under today's program, has a lot of nuances and, and sort of gray areas, if you will, and in and, and various ways of interpreting the statute. And so, therefore, it's important to know uh, who to speak with, who in government to speak with. You have those relationships. You're able to get access and, and respond to questions. One of the things that attracted us to you uh, in this regard is, is that piece, but also your ability to, to have a really good bedside manner. Uh, one of the things that lawyers uh, sometimes need to work on is, is the ability to take something that's complicated, nuanced, and, and gray, and distill it down to something that's understandable and that's relatable to a particular project and a particular client. And uh, you're, you're particularly skilled at that. Maybe talk a little bit about that aspect of what you do, that sort of the attorney's role as counselor, right? And, and then maybe as an example, this uh, the, the vesting nuances. Sure. Thank you, Mitch. Yeah. So first off, to the first part of your question, it's my belief that attorneys are there to read the law and understand it and interpret it. But it's our job to, as the name suggests, to counsel the client and break it down into a form, an easy form for that matter, which they are going to understand. Uh, really spend time with them. Many clients, while I deal with, with highly sophisticated developers, um, many clients believe or feel that this is a, a foreign language. The idea of property taxes in general in New York City is a very convoluted and complicated process. Um, you wouldn't believe the the type of clients that I've that I've worked with before. You know, household names that literally cannot understand how to read their tax bill. So to to ask those types of clients to understand the various nuances of dealing with New York City government and New York City government is a very large bureaucracy, and it does require quite a bit of navigation and skill in and of itself to be able to uh, utilize the correct resources within the agency that you're um, that you're trying to work with. But I, I've, I've really felt that it's very important to try to break things down to a granular level. I also really believe in visuals. I'm very um, adept uh, with technology. I have oftentimes prepared PowerPoint presentations for clients to... Uh, not for marketing purposes, but actually try to explain what they were applying for I, and try to break down the rules in a, in a very simplified, bullet-pointed process. I've also prepared many Excel sheets, again, as part of the explanation process, because many times clients don't understand what the end result is. They're going to be paying all these fees and legal uh, to, the, to the city of New York for these programs. They're also going to be paying legal fees and consulting fees. But really, at the end of the day, they need to know what is it that they're buying? What, what are these benefits? Um, what are they going to be saving at the end of the day? And what are they giving up by applying? Because there's always a quid pro quo in, in any one of these government programs. They're not, there's, no, there's no free lunch, as they say. Um, as far as my ability to work with various city agencies, I specifically work with um, three um, agencies, the Department of Small Business Services, Department of Housing Preservation and Development, that's HPD, and uh, Department of Small Business Services. And with each one of these agencies, I have uh, strong relationships at the director and associate commissioner and commissioner levels. Um, it's very important to maintain a professional and objective relationship and realize that, you know, every time you're advocating on behalf of your client, um, that there's always going to be another case that comes after. 
And you always have to make the strongest and most zealous argument on behalf of your client. But at the same time, you want to be cordial and remember that we're all human beings and that at the end of the day, we have to work together in the future as well. And I've always found that um, it's been a very respectful relationship when you proceed that way. And my relationships with various officials has gotten to the point where, you know, I know many of the, I've, I know about their family lives, I know about their kids, and we get along very, very well, and nothing is ever contentious. I don't really consider my practice to be adversarial, um, and it's, it's, it's a really nice feeling to know that when I'm working with another, the other side in this particular case, the city of New York, that we're working towards a common goal, and that common goal is, in the case of 428, creating affordable housing, in the case of ICAP, promoting uh, construction jobs for underserved communities. And in the case of Fresh, we're promoting uh, the use of supermarkets and fresh produce and um, in areas that are underserved, uh, that are lacking um, significant resources to develop those types of um, structures without without the benefits in place. So, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it is very important to be able to break things down at a real basic level. Thanks, Brett. I, th- those relationships that you enjoy with, with the important city agencies is... You know, fundamental to what to what we do, uh, being able to reach someone, being able to get an answer, you know, having a level of of trust and and all is is important. And I and I feel the same, you know, with with my practice and, and uh, other practice areas. And and I can tell you, Mitch, to that to that regard, when you have those kinds of relationships and you speak to them in an honest and open uh, manner, they're much more willing to discuss the issue with you. Um, I could tell you I had a recent issue with HPD, and while we were discussing it at the lower levels, we were asked, you know, after consultation with my client, we introduced the issue to the commissioner. And after a long review, the commissioner reversed the lower level um, decision and sided with us. And she knows that when we're talking to her, that we're coming from a place of honesty and integrity, and she realizes that... Um, there are real life harms to some uh, governmental red tape which is put up, and being able to explain this in, in non-governmental language and, and in real life terminology, and explaining that that sometimes these programs, you know, you do have the round peg in the square hole, and so, and you have to you have to be a little bit flexible. Um, it it really does make a difference. That's very true. Uh, let's just touch for a second on on how things are going, sort of more generally in the city. You've been in this sphere for a while, and we are God willing, moving away from the uh, crisis mode of of the awful pandemic and, and public health crisis that we've all been experiencing in New York. We've got a ways to go, but we we do seem to be establishing some momentum. And and I should just add, I hope all of our listeners are well and healthy and vibrant. Where do you see the city, in, in both with regard to the government you're dealing with, and, and sort of more more generally the programs you're dealing with, as we as we move and grow uh, and hopefully prosper? You know, it, it's a it's a it's a tough question to answer, Mitch, because you have those who believe that the work from home situation um, for the vast number of New Yorkers is going to remain in place for quite some time, and there's going to be an adjustment and there's going to be a need for, or there's going to be a, a lower demand for, for office space. But on the other side of it, you also see the demand for affordable housing. It's probably never been greater than it is today. 
And then you'll also see the 421A program, for example, has now integrated um, homeless placement services as part of their methodology to, or part part of their schema to to integrate uh, those who are in desperate need of housing into the into the program by by providing uh, vouchers. You know these these programs evolve; they they really don't remain static. Um, in the world of ICAP, for example, it's really never been a contentious, or it's really never been much of a um, a conflicted area. You know, the ICAP program, it offers a 115% savings over and above your base year value compared to when you're complete with your construction, which means that um, if you're at $100 and you go up to $200, you're going to save $85. In the real world, what that really means is that you're go- there's, there's going to be a tremendous amount of savings by participating in these programs. But those savings don't just translate to money that's going in the owner's pocket. They create jobs on the construction level. They create jobs at the retail level. You know, if somebody's working at a coffee shop or they're working at a uh, fast food place or even uh, a doctor's office or a restaurant, anything you can think of, there's going to be people that are going to be working in these buildings. And redevelopment is always required to, for modernization um, to, and to also to keep buildings up to code for environmental concerns um, and just generally to help the economy. So... The other thing I could add to this is that many of these buildings would not be built if it wasn't for these programs. So you can't, I, I'm of the opinion that you can't look at these programs as depriving the city of New York of revenue, because this is revenue that would not have been generated had the, had the program not have been in existence. It's actually adding to the, to the revenue of the city in the form of income tax, in the form of uh, job creation, in the form of sales tax. You know, putting up a new building has uh, a domino effect on the community at large. Not to mention, many of these buildings contain parking, and we all know how much uh, how parking is desperately needed in many areas, specifically in parts of the outer boroughs, um, where parking is just at, at a real scarcity. So, my hope is that we see that these programs are here for for a, for now and for a long time to come. It would not surprise me if in coming years we see modifications that adjust to the times and adjust to the economic needs of New York um, and perhaps um, strengthen the affordable housing component of the 428 program. But I don't see these programs uh, ever really going away. Most municipalities have programs which are similar with similar types of goals. Uh, New York's focus has always been on um, helping those who are less fortunate and bolstering the economy. And I think that these are going to remain part of the city's uh, economic infrastructure for, uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, thank, thanks, Brett. Um, that's a, a very wise and, and good, good answer. Um, in the remaining few minutes that we have, maybe let's just circle back uh, to Herrick if we can. And I think Herrick, uh, as a as a mid-sized firm, is is special uh, in large part because now this may surprise people that this is an issue, but in, in large part because um, we all like each other as partners, as counsel, as associates. We have we're in we're in each other's offices all, all the time, and there'll be some challenges moving forward. But as we all get back together, I think that uh, that that sense of camaraderie and spirit and partnership will will continue to grow. It's not always the case at all places. Um, and so I just, once again, circling back to, to Herrick, um, is there anything else you'd like to share about the firm and then maybe um, where you see your practice at, at Herrick in the next couple of years? Sure. So 
I could tell you, Mitch, that everybody at Herrick has been just overwhelmingly um, welcoming to me. Um, everybody from the HR department to the IT staff uh, to you and your partners. The firm is just, they've literally opened up the door and rolled out the red carpet. I couldn't have been more happy, more excited, more thrilled to be working with, with this particular team. With every day, I've learned something new between the incredible technology platforms and um, just the beautiful office spaces and the amphitheater. And, you know, even uh, my next door neighbor, you know, in the office, he's he's come by now several times. And when he didn't see me there yesterday, um, he gave me a call at home just to say, Hey, Brett, you okay? How you doing? I was expecting to see you. I hope I hope I hope you're feeling good. And, and he said, "When you come back, I have a tub of pretzels waiting for you." <laughs> so, wait a minute. That's Richie Calico, right? That is Richie Calico, correct? Those are also my pretzels. Bro. Oh well, okay. Well, he he was trying to share your pretzels with me. But um, everything from from conversations like that, or just walking down the hall and seeing just just wonderful, wonderful people, and I say that from the bottom of my heart, they they've really made the transition as easy as possible. Um, I came from a from a tremendous boutique firm, people that I worked for for almost fifteen years, who I consider to be like family, and they're going to be uh, professional colleagues and friends of mine probably forever, but. Working at Herrick, I know it's going to enable me to take the next step in my career, being surrounded by uh, those who work in so many different practice areas, uh, both in real estate and outside of real estate. And it's just an incredibly exciting time in my life and a new chapter that I'm just tremendously grateful to be beginning. Great. Well, that that uh, makes my uh, makes my afternoon. And um, I, I, I thank you again, and I hope that folks uh, who are able to, uh, to listen in here got an appreciation for you, uh, for the work that you do, for the manner in which you do your work, and, and a little bit about Herrick, too. So once again, thank you, um, and look forward to sharing, sharing pretzels and a lot more else with you over the next uh, several months. Stay well, and stay well, everyone. Take care. Thank you very much for joining us for Herrick's podcast, Herrick Does That. To learn more about our firm and to listen to additional recordings, please visit us at www.herrick.com.